It doesn't need to be a leap. You can be very strategic and thoughtful in building a bridge plank by plank to get exactly where you want to go. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. You're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. Hey, what would you think if you heard this job posting. You came across it on social media or on LinkedIn or something of that nature. And it said, seeking high energy, forward thinking professional. That's you, right? You're a high energy, forward thinking professional. Of course you are. They're seeking you to launch national initiatives. Something that's going to be national. Ooh, it's exciting. Travel to exciting cities. Well, I'd want to see more of the country. Of course. Make bazillion-dollar decisions. Not million-dollar, but bazillion-dollar. Now you might be going, hmm, what is this all about? Oh, oh, it says there's a multi-six-figure compensation package. Now you're talking. All right, let's look at this. What is this job all about? And you start to look a little bit deeper, and in the fine print, it says, must invest almost every waking moment in this role. Hmm. Are you interested? What is your dream job and accompanying dream salary really worth? Is it worth exchanging almost every waking moment in that role? That is the question that Blake Schofield faced when she was moving up the corporate ladder at Neiman Marcus, JCPenney, Target Corporation, and Stitch Fix. She launched a major initiative at Stitch Fix, and she found that her life was out of control. Yeah. She had all this outward success, but she was constantly finding herself feeling unsettled, chasing that next job or promotion to kind of make things better. And she was, well, I'm going to let you hear directly from her, but I'm going to say from an outsider's perspective, her life was kind of going, it was a wreck, right? It wasn't something that she was enjoying. And so I'm excited for you to hear Blake's story because it's so fun to hear all the things that she got to do behind the scenes. I don't talk to people in the corporate world very much that are making these big decisions about buying and merchandising and launching national initiatives, all of these sorts of things. She is, this gal's great. She tells a great story. You're going to love it. And you're going to hear how she was able to negotiate the transition to say, no more, no more. It's not worth it for me anymore. And you know what she does now is she helps other women cross what she calls the bridge to fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I felt like it's like a massive ravine across to find fulfillment and there's no bridge. And she's going, hey, let me help you get across the bridge. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Blake Schofield. Now, by the way, if you enjoy the Inspiration Rising podcast, will you do me a favor and tell a friend? Yeah, just tell them. Just, hey, hey, do you listen to Inspiration Rising? They'll be like, huh, what? My guess is they probably haven't heard of it. Yeah, so tell them about it. That's the way that people find out, is if you simply just ask them, hey, do you listen to Inspiration Rising? I think you'd like it. Think back to an episode that you enjoyed. Tell them about it or take a screenshot of your phone, text it to them and say, open up your favorite podcast app. If they don't even know how to do that, I I told somebody the other day how to use a podcast app, and they are a seven-figure earning 
entrepreneur and they don't even listen to podcasts. I know, I know. They said, I don't even know if I have a podcast app. Good gracious. I had them open it up. I had them search for Inspiration Rising, click subscribe, and now they have access. You can be a friend that does that as well. All right. Hey, let's jump into this great conversation with Blake Schofield. Well, Blake, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. I'm really excited to to be here and chat with you today. Yeah. So I, of course, in all my research, looked at your LinkedIn and I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through all of these amazing experiences that you've had. Neiman Marcus. Then you went to JCPenney, which is, <laughs> that's funny. I think that's funny. Um, uh, so my name and Marcus people thought that was funny too. Like what? Then to Target, mm-hmm. then to Stitch Fix. I mean, you've worked with four major brands in being, I guess, a, a, a apparel buyer. You've been a buyer. So I don't know. Tell us about your career because most people don't experience, you know, the behind the scenes of these things. People walk in any, okay, I walk into Neiman Marcus and then I just walk out because I'm like, well, I'm obviously way too poor to buy anything in here. This is crazy. <laughs> um, let's go to, you know, Target. I'm going to skip over the JC Penny. Although my mom worked for JC, my work, my mom worked for pennies as she would call it back in the day. She worked in the place where they sold, um, I think nuts. Like, did they sell some like nuts and like things down there? Maybe that was Sears. I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah, remember I'm, there being food, but that could have been before my time. Way before your time. Come on. It's my mom. You're younger than me. Tell me about your career. This is amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, I often say my career is very long and windy. Um, I, from, from about the age of about 12, I knew I was really into people. I was always fascinated. I was the kid at 12 who would go to the library or Barnes and Noble and was reading self-development books, success books, marketing books. Um, I never really realized that was kind of unusual. It just was the stuff I was interested in. I would take every, every uh, personality test you could possibly take. And I just was fascinated by people. I also have a dad who has a PhD in psychology. So, you know, not that far off. Uh, I went to school to get my degree in psychology. I was going to be a marriage and family psychologist. And my junior year, I started feeling some of these things as I was looking down the path to get my PhD that just didn't feel like a match, didn't feel like a fit. And at the time I felt really lost. And I talked to friends and family, which is what most of us do. And we don't know what to do in our careers. And they all said, you should go into human resources. That's where people who like people go. Uh, And I spent my first two years in human resources. I was actually a recruiter. I was in charge of a a merchandising development program. I was in charge of an intern program, actually at Zeal Corporation, which is the big, large jeweler. So another big uh, organization I worked for. And I just felt, I just felt like something wasn't right. I couldn't see myself for the next 30 years. And I went through this whole crisis thinking, well, I went to college and I thought that like work was going to be really exciting and fulfilling. And this is not like, this is what I'm going to be doing for the next 40 years. You're working in a cubicle, a cubicle at Zales. Yep. Yeah. Was your, is your ring that you're wearing right now from Zales? Uh, Well, it's from uh, Bailey Banks and Biddle, which was from my time there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Very fun. Okay. So you're at Zales and you're feeling like, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, again, talk to friends and family, feel really lost. And my husband says to me, because I was recruiting people to be merchants or buyers, he said, you love that job. It's so easy for you to sell. That's what you should do. So I'm like, all right, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do all that math and all the numbers. So I actually went to the bookstore, got a book on retail math and said, if I can teach myself retail math, 
And if, you know, I'm good with it, then I'll go that path. Well, that's what I did. I spent 16 years doing um, buying and merchandising for all the companies you mentioned before, um, you know, started out, uh, you know, and worked my way all the way up. Um, you know, the, my last job, right. Was, uh, launching stitch fixes plus size business from scratch, uh, in 11 months to a 75,000 woman wait list. Pretty darn fun. Um, not too many people get to say that they did that. Uh, and before that I ran a 600 plus million dollar business at target corporation. Um, and so to your point, you know, it's, it's my career. So it is what, you know, what I did. I sometimes forget the magnitude of the work that I did, but through it all, I was going through all these challenges. Externally, it looked like I had this perfect life, three kids, and somehow I could juggle it all. And I had this amazing job where I was traveling to New York or Los Angeles or overseas. And I got to, you know, build these businesses and make this huge impact. Internally, though, I was really struggling. I was going through these cycles of feeling excited and energized when I would get into a new job or a new company. And then that would start to wear off and I would feel frustrated and stressed out. Um, My work truly bled into the vast majority of my life. Um, While I, one of the employers I worked for, I had work-life balance. The rest of them, I would say, did not over an 18-year career. And I was working anywhere from 50 to 70 hours a week. And I, for many years, kept searching for how can I have this fulfilling job where I feel like what I'm doing is really impactful but also have a sane life and have time to enjoy my family, my friends, take care of myself. And ultimately that was my entire journey was this back and forth. It led me moving cross country multiple times. I just kept constantly thinking the next job or the next company was going to make it better. Mm -hmm. Mm. Wow. And you seem like such a nice person, but those jobs, I just feel like whoever has that job, they're intense. They're like kick butt. They're going to just crush you if you get in their way. Uh, You know, it's interesting to hear you say that. We often talk about if you're in merchandising inside retail, it it draws a lot of really type A, very driven people. And, uh, you know, I definitely would say I spent the vast majority of my life as a perfectionist, very type A, um, and it was exhausting. But I believe that was the only way. I believe that's just who I was. I didn't really understand that those are things that you can change. Those are behaviors, perspectives, approaches you can change. But I will tell you, there were many times in my career, David, um, most notably, I moved from one organization to another. And I I went home and cried every day for three weeks. Every single day, I said to my husband, this is the worst decision. I should have never done this. And I said, the people that I'm surrounded by are just mean. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that they were doing or the way that they were working with people just did not sit right with me from a value standpoint. Wow! But again, I felt trapped. Right. Right. And so I just learned in my career how to adapt. I am um, a highly intuitive and a highly emotional person. I feel a lot. If you know me, right. The high is the high, the low is the low. There's not a lot in between. And I was told so many times in my career that that wasn't okay. That as a woman, I needed to, as a woman and a leader, I needed to be I needed to be consistent. I needed not to really show when I didn't like things and then over when I did. And it was a constant battle for me in corporate because I felt like I was always putting on armor to pretend to be this person that always had it together, Mm -hmm. that never messed up, that um, had all of the answers. And as a result of that, I think it created so much more stress, so much more anxiety and so much more unhappiness and unbalance for my life. 
Um, and ultimately it's a huge part of the heart and the work that I do today, because I work with women that are very successful in their careers, just like I was, Mm -hmm. but work bleeds into their life, the stress and anxiety that they're dealing with, that the lack of balance or the lack of happiness and fulfillment that they have really keeps them trapped because they don't know a better way in the same way that I didn't know a better way. It took me 18 years, multiple cross-country moves, um, more tears and more job searching than you could possibly ever imagine um, to finally unlock what it was I had been missing the whole time, why I kept making moves, hoping they would be better only to find that it was more of the same or worse. So you're at Stitch Fix Mm -hmm. and you've just launched this major initiative, which is incredible. And what is the point at which either something kind of breaks or you just come to, you have a realization? Was it a rock bottom moment? Was it a, take me to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It was a rock bottom moment. Um, no doubt, but it was not. And what I often tell people that are unfulfilled in their careers, we look at the moments as isolated moments, but it wasn't. I often say that when you continue a career trajectory, that's not aligned with your values, you're not happy. You're not fulfilled. You are headed towards a breakdown moment. It's literally as if you're sitting on the train tracks and you know that a train could come, but you don't see one. So you feel safe, right? Um, and you just keep sitting there. And there are moments that you come to recognition, wait, I'm on a train track. There might be a train one day that comes, but you feel safe. So you stay there. And that's what was happening through my career. I was finding the the highs were less high and lasting less often. I was finding frustration growing, things that didn't used to bother me really annoying me. I was finding myself in moments, sometimes in a meeting going, I just don't really care about this. Like, who cares? We're not saving lives here. These were all signs and symptoms right? That the breakdown moment that the train was coming just didn't realize it. In fact, when I was at Target Corporation, um, my favorite place that I spent my career, um, learned so many amazing lessons and worked with so many amazingly talented people there, but there were things that were disconnected for me. I spent two and a half years in Minneapolis when I was there searching for the next thing. It was a very, very long and very painful journey where I felt really trapped. At that time, I actually kind of thought to myself, that I wanted to be a coach. I identified that, but I couldn't figure out how I was the sole income earner for my family of five. Um, My husband had been a stay-at-home dad for, you know, six years while we were there. And I thought, well, that's a completely unrealistic B. I don't want to go back to school. And how could I juggle all of that? And so I just thought, well, you know what, maybe I just need a more significant change in my career. And maybe I could just run my own business instead of somebody else's and that will fix the problem. So I tell you that because I did reach that moment, but in reaching that moment, it wasn't a one-time thing. It was a buildup, right? And then the train, when I was in, when I was at Stitch Fix, the train came, right? And then I had no choice but to either get hit or jump off. And I see that happen with so many people. So for me, what happened is I moved from pretty good work-life balance in Minneapolis working for Target. And I moved to a place where my commute ended up being three hours on average. Um, not only oh, that, hour but and a half, hour, hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half. Yeah. I was taking just, the because train. You, just because of where you chose to live or. Well, and that was the challenge for me, right? I have three kids. I'm not going to put my three kids in the middle of San Francisco. We're not city people. Um, my kids would not have done well, Minneapolis to downtown San Francisco. So we lived on the East Bay. I needed to find a good school district and a place where I felt like my husband and my kids would feel safe and could, 
have friends, et cetera. The commute ended up being longer than I expected it to be. And the job search and uh, the house search in San Francisco was insane. So we were lucky just to even get a place to rent. And uh, it ended up being on average about a three-hour commute. And I'd have to leave the house by 6.30 in the morning because if you didn't get to the BART station in time, there were no parking spots. And then you would be trying to drive into the city and you definitely did not want to do that. So I was at a place where um, that was what was really happening. And so I had gone from working 40, 45 hours a week with a 20 minute commute, well, 40 minutes a day to a three hour commute, trapped like a sardine in, in the BART station. Um, and I was starting a business from scratch and the speed of which the team was able to grow uh, was substantially sl- slower than what I had expected. And I found myself working 12 to 14 hour days. Um, I would get up as I would get up five something in the morning, leave the house by 630. I wouldn't be home till 630. My family would have either already eaten or there'd be dinner on the table. I'd go get my kids ready for bed. And then I would immediately get back on the laptop because I was so overwhelmed and so overworked that there was no way to accomplish my work otherwise. And I would be up till midnight or one in the morning working. I would go to bed. I'd get back up at five. So I was sleeping about four, four and a half hours, just the the stress and anxiety of trying to keep everything going. And as I saw that, like not getting better, as I saw like, oh, wait a second, despite the fact that I had asked for work-life balance, despite the fact that I had expected something different, what I was sitting in was a reversal and very similar to what I experienced at previous jobs, where literally my job was taking over my entire life. Mm-hmm. And through that period is when it became really evident to me. I just said, I just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just not willing to do this anymore. I was in a job where I made over $200,000 a year. Um, I remember looking at my husband and I said, this is not sustainable. You need to go get another job. I, yeah. I, can- I cannot continue this. Let me just let me just launch the business. Let me just get it launched. And then I'm done. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm done. I got to go. And that's mm-hmm. really kind of where I reached. So I would for sure say it was a significant, um, it was definitely the darkest uh, period in my life for sure. Wow. What do you think contributes to specifically, it's not just corporate it's not just big corporate companies that can create inhumane workplaces. Um, it can be any, it could be a small business. It could be inhumane, right? But what you're describing is inhumane. Uh, it's inhuman. It doesn't take into account of the fact that you are a human being. You're not just a robot that can produce, you know, all of this. Um, is it, I assume culture of a company, but also the person that you directly report to, uh, would you say it's both of those two things, but also mm-hmm. it seems like it's the person, you, your willingness to say yes to it and participate in it and not have boundaries. So it seems like it's all three. Am I right? Yeah, it really is. And I think I didn't understand that for so long. And I think most people don't understand that. Most people believe that the number one issue is the environment. Mm-hmm. And I just say, I, I talk to women all the time. And they're like, I just want to stop work from bleeding into my life. So I'm going to look for another job. But I often tell them, if this is a pattern for you, that pattern won't get fixed by moving to location alone. Um, again, if you're in the wrong culture fit for you, absolutely makes a huge impact. But it is not the only factor. The biggest factor, honestly, is ourselves. And this is something I'm super passionate about because 
I, I just see there's so much opportunity to improve our corporate cultures. And I think emotion is almost excluded from so many environments. They, uh, we don't really allow people to show up as their full self. We don't really have emotional discussions. We don't address what people are dealing with inside companies. And then we expect that people are just going to leave that at the door. But the reality is every single one of us has things that we carry with us, right? Things that are beneficial, things that are challenging. And what I often find is, you know, when we don't have boundaries, we tend to get into environments that further exacerbate those things um, and kind of create that. But yes, I mean, it is a mix of your own personal work and understanding how to create boundaries. I didn't understand that. I grew up with two parents who were workaholics. That's what I grew up and saw as a kid. It was normal to me. Your belief systems. I believed, as I think many people grew up and believe that in order to make a really good income, you have to sacrifice. That means a lot of hours and hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that that was kind of the only way. I believed that uh, in order to have better work-life balance, I had to sacrifice my income. I had a lot of belief systems. I had a lot of habits and I had a lot of things I had learned from my childhood that then informed, right, the decisions that I made. We all have that. We just don't think about it. And so we come to work and we bring those things with us. Then we have bosses who are also coming to work, bringing these things with us. The number one thing that I I work a lot with my clients, um, the process we do is really different than what's out there in the market. It's very holistic. And what we're dealing with are both the emotional and the tactical components of how we end up unfulfilled in our careers, right? Because just getting a pretty resume and just changing companies isn't going to fix fix some of the inherent things if we don't understand why we're unfulfilled and we don't have the tools to create the right alignment for our life. And so one of the biggest things I see is pretty much everyone I know, whether you're the most successful person or not, there's an inherent fear that you're not really good enough. Mm-hmm. And that People think, you know, I'm not really as good as other people think that I am. And I see that as being one of the biggest reasons we have toxicity sitting inside organizations. Envision, you are a new manager. I went through this. You've been a great individual contributor. You get promoted to management. What is the first thing you're fearful of? I'm going to fail. People are going to know that I don't really know what I'm doing, right? And so what do you do as a manager? you start micromanaging because you're looking for control. You're looking for a way to prove to people that you know what you're doing. What you don't understand is, A, micromanaging your team makes them absolutely miserable. They're focusing on the wrong things. You're creating a toxic environment and you're just further exacerbating your control fear, right? And so this is what I watch happen over and over again. So a lot of what I help my clients with is help them understand how to put in boundaries in a way that they can do so without being fearful that they won't be seen as a team player, without being you know, penalized or treated poorly. But to begin to realize that when you can set your own boundaries, when you understand who you are, what your perspective is, and the beliefs and habits that have kept you stuck, and you can start shifting that, what you do is you start shifting the corporate culture. Mm. So I talk to my clients about learning how to lead the leader. And what's really amazing is my clients usually come to me you know, really feeling trapped, stuck, want to get out of their jobs. And three weeks into my program, I've had clients tell me 70% reduction in stress, right? In control of their calendars where literally they had no time. And then I had one of my clients 
three weeks in a row was like, I'm done with work at noon on a Friday. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm going to go take up a hobby, right? She had no time, um, light at the end of the tunnel, really being able to see that, that we have more power over our circumstances than we thought that we did. And so my clients come to me because they want to transition, but oftentimes they find one of the most surprising things is how much better their current situation is by having the right tools. And so the biggest piece is the person, but then the secondary piece is the environment. Mm-hmm. What might be a great environment for me, David, would might be a horrible, toxic one for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand how you work best, you don't understand what your triggers and your, your non-negotiables are, you will put yourself in an environment with perhaps the wrong leader, the right, wrong way of working, the wrong structure that actually creates a lot of stress and anxiety. And then that further exacerbates all of the problems. Does that make sense? Of course, of course. You talk about this um, concept called a bridge to fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, what what exactly is a bridge to fu- like? What it, obviously we all have our own ways of couching. You know what I mean? What we do, but I think this is so interesting. Walk me through it. Yeah. So the bridge to fulfillment is uh, both my program where my team and I really help women transition in their careers into more fulfilling careers and lives. It's also my podcast called The Bridge to Fulfillment. Um, And ultimately what it is, is an understanding that many times when we feel trapped in our lives, it's because we believe we have to take this huge leap or it's this huge risk, right? That's why I was trapped for so long because I made, you know, starting at, I think, 28, 29 years old, I was making six figures. I was the breadwinner in my family. And it felt like every decision I made felt like some huge risk or huge compromise. And so we stay stuck because we believe it's this leap. The bridge to fulfillment is really about helping you understand that it doesn't need to be a leap. You can be very strategic and thoughtful in building a bridge plank by plank to get exactly where you want to go. So that as you build this, right, you can just step right on over that gap and right to where you want to go. And, and that's ultimately what I learned um, through my 18 plus years of the journey. And in looking back and saying, I had, I had pieces of the puzzle. I didn't know how to put them together, right? And if I could have gone back, if I could have gone back, right, I would have gone back and taken action earlier as opposed to waiting until literally I'm sitting there in the breakdown moment coming right at me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, how did your marriage survive that, you know, that journey, that process? Because uh, it sounds just incredibly, incredibly stressful. Yeah, it was very stressful. Um, I'm very blessed to have an amazingly um, supportive husband. My husband and I met in college, actually, we were college sweethearts. Um, and I often think bless him for putting up with me and all of the stuff that he put up with. Um, to be able to help me because it wasn't just right. The cross country moves. It was every job, every career. It was just this up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And he would always with patience, right. Encourage me. My husband, I often say is a huge part of why and how I've been able to do what I did because I always had his support when I was at JC Penney and I had a five-year-old and a two-year-old and I, um, I was at the top of my game. My team and I were the number two buying company, buying team out of 90 in the entire organization, right? You would think that I would be happy and I wasn't. I stopped and I looked and I said, it wasn't worth it. And why wasn't it worth it? Because my daughter, who was two at the time when I left, I barely remembered her first year of life. It was that stressful. I was traveling that much. I was working that much. 
I remember my husband saying I had been looking at jobs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I just couldn't figure out a way out. And uh, Target Corporation called me, and I thought, Minneapolis? Like, I'm a Southern girl. I don't know about that. And he just encouraged me, try. This is a company you love. If it was in Dallas, you would go work there in a heartbeat. Um, so our marriage survived because I think we had a lot of open communication because I had a very supportive husband who was willing um, and constantly, uh, constantly there's my cheerleader saying, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that happened? You know, if you'll regret this, not doing it, you should do it. And he supported every single time we moved, you know, from Dallas to Minneapolis, from Minneapolis to California. And then ultimately when we were in California and it was like, okay, enough is enough. And that's when I said, I need to get help. Basically, I can't keep making moves, hoping they're going to get better. I got three kids, right? Like I can't keep putting my family through this. Um, And that's ultimately, I think I feel so blessed in so many ways because he was the one that immediately was like, start your own business. I know you'll be successful. I know anything that you put your mind to, you'll be successful and we will figure it out. Um, We will figure out how to make it work. You know, he went back to work and Um, everything flip-flopped in our house where I had been the sole, you know, income earner to a period of time where he was really the one driving that. And I, I feel really blessed from the standpoint of, you know, not just did I have a husband who was willing to support me the whole way throughout, but I think my kids also learned some really invaluable lessons about the value of work and how it plays into your life. The importance of, um, really aligning your work with the things you're passionate and naturally gifted and talented at. And the importance of partnership in a marriage, where I think it's very rare to be able to see the type of flip-flopping that happened in our in our marriage in terms of roles and responsibilities. Um, but it's something I'm really proud of because there are many things I look back on early in my career, and I regret um, teaching my kids lessons that I don't believe anymore. And I certainly wouldn't want them to live. Um, on the flip side, though, what I've been able to do in the last four years and to watch my kids' perspective about balance in life and work and passion and what you're good at has been um, infinitely fulfilling. I love it. Connectionsilluminated.com. Collectionsilluminated.com. That's where they can learn um, all about you. Once they get to collections, collections, connectionsilluminated.com, what's the thing that that uh, you'd want them to dive into first? Yeah. Well, there's really two, two things I often say. Um, my podcast is a place that I often refer women to, we have episodes come out weekly. Um, They're a mix of, you know, small coaching calls, but I also do a lot of interviews with my clients and their success stories. I really believe in the value of changing women's perspectives about what's possible for them and really enabling them to have the tools and the support, right. To be able to create the lives that they want without sacrificing their income, their impact, their health, their family, or their time. Um, and so the podcast, The Bridge to Fulfillment, is a great place to go if you're looking for inspiration or more information about how to do this. Um, the other thing, if you go to my website, um, there's a little link you can sign up for my email list. And on the email list, um, you can either get there from connectionsilluminated.com or from um, my website, bridge with the number two, fulfillment.com. And you can enroll there. I've got several hours of free training. I actually had a woman go through this. I launched this right in the pandemic when all that happened. Actually, I had a woman go through the free training and went from absolutely no offers, feeling completely trapped to having multiple offers and getting a 30 plus percent pay increase within a period of like two months just going through this training. So all of those um, tools are available as well. So podcast or email with all the free resources, both are great places to get 
access to tools to help you lead a more fulfilling career in life. Awesome. Connectionsilluminated.com. We'll, we'll have all the links to your website and the podcast and of course your social media accounts and your LinkedIn account, which people can scroll through and uh, dive deep on that. Blake, thank you. Thanks for sharing your heart and just your um, wisdom. Very captivating story. And I can see why people love working with you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to come share and hopefully inspire somebody else um, to realize what is possible for them. Because I think that's the biggest challenge when we feel trapped or we feel stuck um, to realize that there is uh, a nothing wrong with you. Right. For years, I thought there was something wrong with me that I was so unfulfilled and so unhappy when everyone thought that I had everything. Um, but be that there is a proven process and a, and a way to be able to move forward to create what you want without taking a huge risk or without having to take a huge step backwards in your career in life. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.